The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Our family has grown. Welcome to the world, Hannah baby. Introducing a new collection, Hannah Soft, made with Tencel. It's so breathable, with stretchy comfort for all of baby's first moments. And it's cool and gentle on their skin all year round. Entrusted Hannah quality for your most precious gift. Hannah Soft, made to last. Shop now at hannahanderson.com. The advice and opinions expressed by the hosts of Autism Live and her guests are meant solely as suggestion and should not be in any way construed as child-specific advice. Any choices you make in determining your child's treatment are completely at your own discretion. Dr. Doreen Grand-Pichet is the doctor. Doreen is an expert in autism. Doreen Grand-Pichet. Dr. Doreen Grand-Pichet. Dr. Doreen Grand-Pichet. Dr. Doreen Grand-Pichet is a visionary in the field of autism. Now you can ask her questions on Ask Dr. Doreen. Good morning and welcome to Ask Dr. Doreen. I'm Shannon Penrod and I'm here live with Dr. Doreen Grampichet. Good morning. Uh, today is Wednesday, October 18th. I had to check the date. Tuesday. Tuesday. Thank you. <laughs> sure. That should tell you everything that you need to know about where my head is at right now. But I'm thrilled. It's Tuesday, October 18th, and we're here live with Dr. Doreen Grampy Schaefer. Ask Dr. Doreen. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? <laughs> well, it's I'm good glad to be you're back. Be, it is so good to be I back. Know. We've had like I think three weeks. We we were out, right? I had a ceiling. Yeah. It was a long time. Yeah. It was. Sorry. <clears throat> to our, to well, our and, and I didn't. Re- I, I think I said the day after because we were going to be back last week. Um, even though I still, you can still hear it in me. Um, we were going to be back last week, but you had. I was, I was gone. So it was two weeks of you being ill, and yes. then I was gone because, uh, as some of our folks might know, I, I actually live most of the time in Florida, and my house was really badly damaged from yes. uh, Hurricane Ian. I'm so sorry. No, that's okay. Thank you. I appreciate that. But, you know, it's just like you go, it's just sad, to, yes. but it's really, honestly, nothing. Right. In contrast to some of the stuff that we see our folks go through and our friends and audience and so on. It's it's not a big deal. It'll be another year of dealing with contractors, which is never fun, but it's life. You know, I I was saying to my husband how, you know, I have I I feel so badly for you and I I can't I can't relate. I've never had my house hit by a hurricane. And I said, but just thinking of it scale wise, I know what it's been like twice. I've had my purse stolen. Oh, yeah. And that's awful, too. And it's that thing that of, after, you know, it's not just the purse. Yeah. Because it's just a purse, yeah. right? But there's stuff in the purse. Yeah. And it's not just the stuff in the purse. It's that all the machinations that you have to go to make everything work again that yeah. was in your purse. Right. And I said, imagine your house. Yeah. Because I, you know, the second time that my purse got stolen, I was like, oh, I know this thing and it's going to be six months and they've stolen my identity, and I'm going to have to file papers Ugh, with the police and all that. those things. 
And but I just imagine, you know, so the purse is this, and a house has got to be that much more. Yeah, and, and cars and oh. like everything was totaled, right? So yeah. they just came before we even went out. They went, took the cars, and just wow. left. And so we go there, and we don't have a car. We don't have our golf cart because the battery caught on fire. I mean, it's you know. Yeah. But and it had taken us two years to fix to yeah. to remodel that house. So we were only there for six months before this happened. But hey, some of our friends honestly lost their homes. Yeah. So we're very grateful and. It's just stuff, right? You just move on. But it's time and it's stuff, and we're sorry. Thank you I so much. I just want to say that. Thank you. I appreciate um, that. <clears throat> and we're thrilled that you guys are here with us this morning. We see that some of you have already logged in. We're saying good morning to Liliana in Riverside. Uh, hello to Dark Angel. Michelle, we're thrilled that you're here with us. Missy is here, and she says, hi, Dr. Doreen. She loves your TikTok. Thank you so much, Missy. We all do. We love your TikTok. Um, and Dark Angel says, sorry about that, ladies. And good uh, good morning to Susie B. We're thrilled that you guys are here with us live this morning and waiting for Parker. Parker, where are you? I miss <laughs> you when you're not here. Yeah. I, I literally, when I was in the thick of not feeling and well. And Amanda. Uh, what? <laughs> And Amanda, we're missing. Too. Oh, we're missing. Yeah, Amanda tends to come a little bit later, so I'm. I'm. I'm uh, I'll, I'll. We'll check her out later. But I, I literally, at a certain point, when we were canceling shows, and I wasn't even up to like telling anybody. I just wasn't showing up, and and I thought, oh, I need someone to tell Parker. Parker's gonna. Parker's gonna wonder why because I said that we were doing shows, and then eventually we got a message to Parker. So Parker, I'm. We're back. We're back, and Dr. Doreen <laughs> is back. So. Um, that like Parker, I just want you to know it on the day that I was the sickest, I was worried about you knowing what was going on. So, um, Parker's there. Oh, Parker, I didn't know you lost your roof during Katrina. Uh, that's, that's incredible. And how lovely of you to, um, you know, say that you can relate to what Dr. Grampy Shea is going through And, and Cheryl will say, we're saying good morning to you as well. So uh, we're live right now, as I said, on uh, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and about a dozen other sites. At some point, Traven will put those up on the screen for you, our fabulous Traven, who has held it all together. And um, you can watch the show live in all of those places, but he'll also give you some of the places where you can be watching us uh, as a podcast or listening as a podcast. And I should clarify that if you want to watch us, you can watch back 12 years of episodes on YouTube. And uh, right now you can listen to the podcast on any podcasting platform that offers free downloads because we want to make that free to you. The one place we aren't is SoundGarden because that charges you guys. And so we've debated about whether to be there or not. If you guys tell us that that's your preferred place, then we will do it. We just we like to be free for people wherever you can find us. That's one of our guiding principles. Uh, we like to provide that free information and inspiration. So, uh, but we hope that as you're finding information on whichever site fits your mood and your appetite, that you will share freely. One of the things that we have done from the beginning in 12 years of production on this is that we we haven't spent big dollars on advertising at all um, because we've counted on you guys to share with the people that you know that would find this interesting. I was just at a place in in, uh, Seattle at a conference this weekend, and somebody said, how is it 
you know, you do this show. Uh, how long have you been doing it? I said, 12 years. And they said, how is it that we don't know? Yeah. And I said, I don't know. We are the number one rated autism podcast. Uh, so we're not hiding. We're not, we're not like under a rock trying to make sure that you can't find us. But it's a matter of when you know, you know. But if you can share what you know with someone else and say, you know, what, sometimes it just means putting their name into the chat um, on, in, for our show on Facebook, and then people see, oh, they were included in something, and they go and they go, oh, thank you, and they don't have to go search for it. Uh, but we appreciate when you guys share us, like us, subscribe. Thank you, Traven, for reminding me. We're really doing a big push right now that we're changing up some of the things that we do on YouTube, and we hope that you'll subscribe to our feed on YouTube. It used to be that every time we put up a new video, you would get an email about it. And we're changing that up a little bit because we feel it's a little much, Mm -hmm. you know? Because then when you get something all the time, it's sort of like you start to ignore it. So we're going to be just giving you a notification of the highlights when when we feel like there's something really particularly good. And that way there'll be a steady reminder in your uh, inbox that you can click on, which takes you to the channel. Because I think that's the thing that you really, yep. really want, right? Um, but there are perks to subscribing to us on YouTube because you'll be the first people to know when things are happening. Um, so we appreciate that. Uh, okay, I want to say, Parker says, we really need an Ask Traven or a Traven Appreciation Stream. Absolutely. Well, I, I love that. And Parker, anytime you want to ask Traven something, you go right ahead and do that. But Yes, we do need a Traven appreciation stream. Uh, Susie says, Dr. Doreen, how do we get an assessment with you uh, or in my son's team? <clears throat> so actually, Susie, I am going to start doing a um, couple more assessments. There's been a lot of people asking, and I think I will try to do one just from the show or from TikTok, like one a month that I just do. So, um, and you mean a live one with a kiddo? No, no. I mean, I'll arrange to do that with the families. Oh, I see. From the, from the TikTok people who are asking from, from our, from my social media or from our show. And, um, I'd like to do it without charging you. So it's kind of like my thing that I'd like to do. And so what you have to do, I think is if you can go through Shannon right now, like Mm -hmm. on my TikTok feed, I actually wrote. Sarah's information, she kind of controls my entire schedule and tells me when I can do things. (laughs) So if you're in L.A., I'm happy to see you in person. If you're not, I can do a Zoom assessment or or consult with you. That's amazing. No, it's it's my pleasure. And I always say to people, if you're new to this show and you've never watched before, Dr. Doreen is a true expert in the field of autism. And and I always like to say behind her back, she's the real deal. And Mm -hmm. you just heard why. I think that, that she's finding time, you know, people are waiting so long for assessments. Yeah. And the fact that you're clearing some time in your schedule and saying that you're going to, you know, find, you know, for not, you can't, you can't do it for everyone. I'm just going to be clear about that, um, that you have a limited amount of time, but that you'll, you know, donate some time to people. Absolutely. That's amazing. Absolutely. No, it's my pleasure. It's a small thing I can do for our community. Really remarkable. 
Um, Liliana says she's sorry to hear about your house and, you. and that you Thank will be you. blessed in many other ways. Thank you, Liliana. Uh, and I know that you live your life that way. Cheryl says, I shared into my autism group. Thank you so much for doing that, Cheryl. And uh, Susie says, I'm planning on attending the WABA conference next year. It was really lovely. I had a, had a really good time. Um, and some of you, I know, were at the TACA conference this weekend, and I heard that that was extra special Fabulous. And Susie B says, yay. Thank I, I, I follow you everywhere and you are awesome. Oh, thank you so Susie, much. Susie, I follow her everywhere too. Uh, <laughs> like every once in a while she has to say, go sit down because yeah. I'm following her everywhere. <laughs> um, okay. So we, we decided that uh, on, on these shows that we were going to have an overreaching topic that we would start with on each show. And, and today's topic was dealing with parental stress. And I was going to pick one of the questions to just go with to talk about just dealing with parental stress. But instead, I wanted to take just a minute and then we have some really intense questions here. But because I think sometimes people outside of our community kind of poo-poo the parental stress thing. And, mm-hmm. and I think that that takes a toll on us. Like we feel like, I don't want to speak for everyone, but I <clears throat> talk to a lot of parents and I know how I feel. We feel like we're supposed to just be able to do this. Yeah. That it's, the, you know, and when I think of yeah. all the stressors there are, it really uh, fits into the questions that we have today because as a person on the outside, it, when I look at these things, I go, well, of course everybody's stressed. These are stress-conducing c- things. Well, they're more, I mean, I think sometimes when I see questions or, you know, just things that people write in to us, mm-hmm. parents of children with disabilities across the board, I, it's more than stress. It's almost, in some cases, it's trauma. Yes. Like, there's no question about it. Yes. In other cases, I just, it's incredible patience and tolerance and resilience and all of this that allows the parents to go on. Like for me, as you know, I've often said, I think the thing that pulled me into this field 100 years ago was the parents, the moms, just sitting with them. And it's like, honestly, Shannon, I think every aspect of your psyche is affected by this, right? It's not just, uh, I was actually really thinking about this subject because we were going to talk about it. And I realized that it's it's not just fear of how am I going to handle this right now. It's fear of the future of my mm-hmm. child, what will happen when I'm no longer here, or what will happen in five years, ten years, because it's a journey they've not walked, right? But it's also all of this other stuff of having to do with just changing all of your own dreams and thoughts since you've had... You know, like we all have thoughts and dreams from the time we're children, right? So this is what I'm going to do and so on. And we form it and shape it. Yeah. And that has com- also completely changes. And then there's there's just this sense of like loss, I guess, of, mm-hmm. you know, um, why me? There's all the anger. And I mean, it's almost like every aspect of your psyche is somehow affected when you mm-hmm. have a child on on uh, the spectrum or with a disability and when it's difficult, right? Because, you know, sometimes we're very blessed and I, I know families who have really good resources and have friends and like a village of people to help the child uh, do well. 
And then on the other hand, I also know families where to this day, I, I, you know, I would go into a meeting with a parent who has three children on the spectrum and is a single mom and I would spend two hours with them and when I leave the room, I think, so I cry, yes. I cry. And I just think, how is she, yes. uh, what, what can I do to help? Can, she just needs respite, she just needs anything, you know? Yes. And, so to, to think, to, for people outside of our community to say, oh, come on, you're making a big deal of it, I think is just ridiculous. Yeah. But I think we take that on, too, and we think, well, th th there is this hidden thought where we think, I'm supposed to know what to do, I'm supposed to know how to manage. And I don't know how any of us would. I want to launch into a question that's pretty intense, yeah. that goes right to the heart of... You know, one of the, like, it's extraordinary, um, but, you know, uh, the person writes in and says, Hello, Dr. Doreen and Shannon, please, I need some help. My 12-year-old son took a knife from the kitchen and oh. was standing looking at me. When I went close to him to take it away, he said, I'm sorry. But what happened before all this was that he was upset because every Sunday we let him pick a place to go, park, restaurant, mall, etc. And he also gets to eat fries, which is his favorite thing. Well, the night before, I checked his history on his tablet and found cartoons that he knows he can't watch. Because in these cartoons, they show very inappropriate behaviors like beating people and cursing. I have blocked the page so many times, but somehow he manages mm -hmm. to find it. So I took his phone and tablet away. Uh, that was the beginning of everything. The next morning, which is Sunday, he kept asking for his tablet, and I said that he can't use it yet. So then he started screaming, yelling, and saying things like, I want to die, Mom. I'm leaving the house and never coming back, and proceeded to get dressed and try to go out. I stopped him, and then he started screaming more. I told him we're not going out that Sunday because of his behavior. And I say on the couch, that's when I heard him in the kitchen getting something, and I told him to come out to the living room, and that's when he had the knife in his hands. He said he was sorry, and he didn't want to go to jail. I told him that what he did was very bad. He proceeded to scream and cry. He has a psychiatrist he sees once a month. He's on sertraline, 25 milligrams, one time a day. I'm so devastated, I don't know what to do. I'm also scared. I don't know if he would actually attempt to hurt me. Normally, he's always saying he loves me and wants hugs from me. Don't know what to do. Please give me some advice. Normally, he's a loving kid. Lately, he has been defiant. He curses and just want to, wants to do what he wants. And I have never seen him do this before. I'm so devastated. I don't know what to think, say, or do. Please, any advice will help. Thank you in advance. Oh, my gosh. I mean, how much do we want to hug, you know, communal, communally? First of all, hug this mom. And then secondly, hug this 12-year-old. Yes, yes. This is really tough. This is, I, I have so many different things I want to yeah. say about this. So to begin with, I guess I want mom to know that this is not, uh, I want to say intentional, I guess, or this is not him not loving you. He absolutely will love you forever. This is him not connecting uh, the, the consequences of an action um, to the action itself. That's, that's all this is. It's, and a lot of times our kids, you know, actually I'll give you an example of, of just us, like, you know, typical day and you get stressed out and angry and you might overreact 
to someone by yelling or whatever it might be, and then later you regret it. And that's exactly what happened here. Yeah. Now, uh, he is just angry, and he doesn't know how to handle the anger. So I, that is an important thing to teach him, is when you are angry, these are the things you can do, and these are the things you cannot do. Right. Yeah. You cannot go towards weapons. Um, but I think to begin, I'm trying to put in order all the advice that I want to give you. And I think the first thing I want to tell you is uh, make sure that you have he's on the right medication and that the medication is actually effective. So that's kind of an important thing. Like, mm-hmm. one, you know, it's. Uh, a lot of times with psychiatry, it just becomes kind of a routine thing, and no one's really paying attention anymore to what's going on. So please talk to the psychiatrist and make sure the psychiatrist is actively engaged. Secondly, I think you should try to get... This is the kind of scenario where you should try to get some ABA therapists in your home... Um, And I think you will succeed because you just need to contact your insurance company and tell them what has occurred and that you need care and assistance immediately. And I think despite the fact that it's hard to get hours approved for um, 12-year-olds, you will get some services. There's no question. A lot of the services will work on setting appropriate kind of contingencies for him, but also working with you and giving you ideas about how to manage situations that come up like this. So that's where I would suggest you go first, because I kind of, or right after dealing with the medication, because I want to give you um, some respite or some care so that then I want to talk, once you have people there trying to help you and manage him, then we can talk about like you, what you need to teach him, mm-hmm. which I think is important because I think you need to teach him the things he can do when he's angry. And a lot of times we don't even think about teaching our kids that, but we, we should. You know, like there are good ways when you're angry and bad ways. Like mm-hmm. bad ways would be hitting a person, picking up a weapon, um, you know, running away. These are all bad things. Good things are things like having a conversation about it, walking back to your room and taking a few deep breaths, uh, going to your quiet area and putting on some music until you feel better about it, writing down how you feel and explaining it to someone. There's all these different things that, depending on the level of the child or functioning level, they're different, right? But that's an important lesson. The other thing I want to tell you is that, you know, there's tons of research that shows punishment does not really work and it doesn't and and specifically it doesn't work when it's later so for instance an activity occurs like he watches something that was that he was supposed not supposed to watch and you remove his ipad for tomorrow the connection is not going to be strong so he's not going to realize oh in the future, if I watch something, she's going to take my iPad. That's just going to be something that's so far in advance that it's not going to have a, a conditional backward connection. It's just how conditioning occurs. So one of the things that you could do going forward is that every time, like even put on his iPad a note that pops up that says these places are not allowed. 
just something that's an antecedent control. So you're, or you can even remind him every time you give him his iPad, where, where are you going to look? Where are you not allowed to look? Like, let's just discuss where you're going to be. And, and of course, check it more frequently. Like mm -hmm. check it every day, several times after every session that he has it. Maybe take a look and just look at the history and see where he was. Because it's important to have that connection closer. A lot of times we think that, you know, I told him not to do this. Our kids don't, it's, it just doesn't work that way, right? Mm -hmm. And also remember, if you're getting to the point where you're restricting something, you always need to reward something else. Mm -hmm. So you want to make sure that when he's on the right pages, when he's in the right um, areas of his of the um, online, give him a lot of reward. Please give him a lot of reward for doing the right things. A lot of times when our kids are rewarded frequently, they don't really spend too much time trying to do the wrong thing, you know, because yeah. they're getting enough attention. But this is a really, really hard situation, and I really just want to, uh, yeah, you know, yeah. give you a hug, but also really strongly suggest that you try to get some ABA resources into your home pretty fast. One of the things that I want to bring up when I read this, um, and, I, and I want to preface it by saying that I'm not saying that this mom did anything wrong, because we do what we do in the moment, and, and you know, I, I'm never going to get a Parent of the Year award. <laughs> not... Not ever. And, and if you saw some of the things that I do, you would be like, oh, well, no wonder why she's not going to get a Parent of the Year award. But one of the things that you taught me, it, and you talk all the time about it has to be fair, it has to be fair. And when you look at what are the things that are your child's, like the things that they love the most, the things that are the most comforting, you know, what are the things that they rely upon that are, that are the bedrock of how they get to keep their wheels moving, right? Absolutely. And that when we start taking things away, we have to be very careful that yep. we're not taking yep. away yep. everything. Because when we do that, whether it's a child on the spectrum or an adult, when you take away everything that is somebody's why, whether you agree with their why or not, when you take away that hope, you put them in, a, in desperate straits. Yes, and, and I, I, you know, I find it significant because I'm always trying to think, you guys always said to me, you know, all, all behavior is communication. Mm -hmm. And so I always try to think, 100%. what are you communicating? And what he communicated in that moment, I'm not trying to poo-poo this at all. I think it would shake any parent to see your child standing there holding a knife. But what he immediately communicated was, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry and I don't want to go to jail. Like, there was a part of his higher functioning that was yep. realizing this is a bad choice to even be holding the knife. Definitely. I get that it scared you. I would be scared, too. But also hear that. Yes, absolutely. And, and thank you for bringing that up. You just made me realize the most important thing, which is make sure he doesn't have access to these things well, yes. while he's learning, right? Like, yeah. let's make sure that's gone, too. Yeah, yeah. You can take all the knives and lock them up. But, you know, what we... You know, he's 12, and he felt this desperation of nobody's listening to me and I keep losing things. Absolutely. He said to you time and time again through his actions, I really want those videos. Yes, yes. And, and I'm with you. Like I was like that parent that was deleting things off the thing and my kid was finding it anyway. But, you know, looking at what is it that he wants from it. Yes. And making the decision about is it something 
that I can give to him in a different way. Exactly. Because he's getting to the, 12 is still a place where you can hope to control it, but not really. But eventually he's going to be an adult and you're not going to have any control over what he looks at. And, and do you want to, at this point, you know, keep eliminating it and keep checking it, have a conversation with him about what is it that he loves about those videos and how can he get it someplace that's a little bit nicer um, or do you want to help him to start to deal with whatever the feelings are that he's getting from watching these? Because, you know, I mean, for years people watch Tom and Jerry, and I'm sorry, it's so inappropriate. <laughs> if you watch it, it now, is, you go, yes. it is so inappropriate. Yes. And everyone did not become an axe murderer from watching Tom and Jerry, <laughs> right? Uh, Absolutely. So, you know, like sometimes you have to look at it and have a conversation with him about what is it you like about this. But but I hope you realize, too, that 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 what you've done that's wonderful is you've put in this Sunday ritual that he goes to the park and he gets to have French fries and he gets to choose where he wants to go. Absolutely. I would be very careful about ever taking that away from him. Absolutely. And you guys always taught me that sometimes things go south, but you always want to have an opportunity for them to earn what is important back to them. Yeah. Always. That, that, you know, I mean, Shannon, if you think about it, that's, all of us, yes. right? I mean, that's yes, just that's human keeping behavior. It yeah. yeah. And there were times when, you know, because I think we're all geared for punishment. Um, and I can remember a time when Jem did something and I warned him. I said, you do that again and you're going to lose your Legos for the day because that was his currency. And he sort of looked at me and was like, I'm, and he did it again. And oh, I went, sure. that's it. The Legos go away for the day. And it was like 10 o'clock in the morning and I realized my day is completely, you know, Foobard. And I was like, this is going to be a day of hell. But I remembered that you guys taught me that I had recourse from there. I had already taken them away. I did. I followed up on what I said, but I, and then he was hysterical. He was like, no, I can't do without my Legos. And that I was able to set up a contingency. And I said, well, you want to earn them back? Here are the eight things you have to do to earn them back. And he got busy Yeah. and he earned them back and we were right back on track. Yeah. That it can never be this final, no, it's over, you lost it forever. That's, that doesn't work. It just doesn't work. It just doesn't work. And it's honestly, sometimes it's just more productive for you and for your child if they have opportunities for success as opposed to opportunities for failure. That's right. That's you right. Know, and, so. but, and, and if our guiding light is to keep it fair... His life has to be fair. Absolutely. And if what he loves is those videos, I think we need to crack the code on why. Give him opportunities for those. Yes. Yeah, and also, that's a very good point, Shannon. It's like, what's in those videos? Yeah. I mean, sometimes, to be honest, like, when I look sometimes at the stuff that uh, my son even is is looking at or playing, it isn't uh, something that you don't need to even figure out the reason. It's just very brutal, right? And yes. it's like, I don't want my kid watching that stuff. And it does have an effect on the brain. Yeah. So, but you just need to make sure that there's plenty of other stuff as yeah. well that's there going we to have a positive effect. There we go. Uh, Dark Angel says, it's so sad to see your own child become aggressive. It kills your soul. It does. At 100%. It does. But 
you know, we can, we can work our way back from that. Um, Parker says, here's a question. I'm going through a di- going to a dietitian tomorrow. Me and my t- dietitians don't mix. I can't stand when people try to change my eating habits. I'm going for medically controlled weight loss and it's needed by my whole medical team, but I'm afraid of lashing out. Or if I get told I can't eat my favorite thing anymore, I might have negative behavior. Yeah. I know they are doing it for my own good, but I don't like being controlled. And I I don't want to embarrass my mom and my stepdad. Please help me. Bless your heart, Parker. I love that, Parker. And thanks for, like, what a timely question. Because, yeah. I mean, you bring up a really good uh, a reminder, which is for all of us, uh, one of our, there are, there are two types of, re- there's multiple types of reinforcers, but there's secondary reinforcers and primary reinforcers and secondary reinforcers are all the things that are associated with primaries like for instance money money is a secondary reinforcer because on its own it's just a piece of paper or a coin but the reason that it's reinforcing or rewarding is that we can buy things with it that are primaries and what are primaries the most important primary is food And so uh, we become very, um, I guess, uh, defensive when someone tries to control our food. It's a natural response because it's what our lives depend on when you go back historically, right? So um, knowing what you know, Parker, like knowing as, you know, you're very aware, you're, you're someone who analyzes behavior, I want you to go into this meeting realizing that this is for you. All of those people are there for you. They're not forcing you to do something. They're assisting you. It is your choice. And I assume the reason that you're going there is because you want better health. I I don't know if it's because the diet is important for your weight, for maybe cholesterol, for just gut functioning, for inflammation, whatever it is. It is something that is going to make things better for you. So you're choosing this, or before you go, choose it, because it's for you. It's not forced on you. It's something that you are choosing because you want to have a better life. You want to have a better day-to-day existence and health, right? So that's one thing. The second thing is just tell the doctor or the nutritionist when you get there, tell them I'm really sensitive to this issue around food. I don't like people telling me what to eat or not eat, so I'm going to be defensive about this. Please help me get through this. Like just tell everyone, tell your parents, tell the the uh, dietitian that this is the way it is, and then take it and like make it fair. Sometimes dietitians or our parents forget or don't realize what you need in order for it to work. Like, you know, when we yeah. do diets, um, I often, if I'm like gaining weight and I want to lose weight, I will set a time frame for myself and I'll say, okay, I'm going to do this diet, which I know works for me. And the reason that it works for me, by the way, is that it allows me to have sweet protein bars, which Mm -hmm. is a thing for me because I have a sweet tooth and I need to have sweet in my mouth every few hours. So all of this is fine with me, but I can only do it for five days. And then after five days, I will have like one day where I don't restrict myself. You have to make it fair for you. I mean, uh, one of my friends actually just recently did a 30 day 
liquid cleanse mm. and I would have killed myself. Like I can't yeah. even think about a liquid for 30 days just yeah. drinking liquid, right? And she lost tons of weight, but I, yeah. I couldn't even do that. Yeah. So you need to tell your mom and stepdad, you're not embarrassing them if you explain ahead of time that you are aware that you become defensive over this issue. It's a very, very normal, natural process. And, and tell them to help you get through it. And, and you know, I just want to say, too, Parker, that, uh, you know, I hear you saying that there's a favorite food that you want to have no matter what. Yeah. And I'm just going to ask you where your willingness is and flexibility of, are you willing, you know, because sometimes what it is is, I don't know what that favorite food is, and you can write in and say what it is. But, for instance, you know, people go, well, I just have to have pizza. But, you know, you can yeah. you can change some of the ingredients in the pizza. Like That's also you could, true. You could make you it the low-fat cheese, or you right. could do the cauliflower crust. Yeah. Or I know somebody who makes a zucchini um, crust where she just slices zucchini and puts it down, and then she puts the sauce on top of it and a vegan cheese on top of that. And it's the calorie count on it is yeah. wildly different yep. because you've encha- changed an ingredient. And, and it might take a little while to get used to that. But, you know, it, it really becomes like what is the thing about the food that you want? Is it, yeah. is it the flavors? Is it the crunch? Is it the whatever? Is it just the sense of security sometimes? Yes, because I'll bet you that you can get it in a different way that's healthier for you. Sure, absolutely. Like I love hearing that you're a sweet girl. I'm a quantity girl. There you if go. I had to live on, on one of your protein bars, I would run screaming into the street with my hair on fire. Um, because I'd be like, no, you need to put I like... I just need lots of it. Like, yeah. you know, put a pound of raw cauliflower in front of me and I'm happy. There you go. There and you I'll go. nosh on that forever. Ever. But give me, you know, a everybody sweet treat. I'm going to eat 30 of those protein bars. It's not going to happen. Yeah. But, you know, the, the basis of this, and this might be useful to all of our viewers, is... As, as human beings, we will always select something that's going to be a short-term reinforcer before we select a long-term reinforcer. And that's just life, right? And yeah. that's one of the things we learn as we're growing up and maturing is the difference, right? When you're a child, you will request milk and you will cry until you get milk. Yeah. So you want that instant reinforcement. I want my milk and I want it now. Or I want to go out and I want it now. I want that toy in the store and I'm going to cry until you get. So it's kind of like short-term rewards, right? But when you get older, you learn to adjust because there are not that many short-term rewards in life. And most rewards are long-term. So you go to work and, and you will wait two weeks to get paid. Um, you know, you will go to school for whatever, four years or so in order to get a degree because that in the long term will help you get better jobs. So it's kind of like we're all about, we become all about long-term reinforcers. What you have to do here, and in this all cases where it's hard, like I use this example a lot of times with parents because they let their, like when the child is screaming or tantruming, you'll let the child come and sleep with you. Because in the short term, that's very rewarding. You don't have to deal with the tantrum that night. You know, it's comforting to have your child. You feel safe. They feel safe, etc. But in the long term, it's not at all good. And a lot of times we choose reinforcers that are short term good, long term not so good, like food. You know what I mean? And because we just don't see the long term. And if there was a way that you could keep reminding yourself of the long term, like in other words, 
hey, if it's for cholesterol, let's say, watch your cholesterol go down. Like go every week and see a doctor and check your cholesterol regularly. Or if it's for weight, make sure that you are watching your weight and so on. Because as connecting it to this is what I want to feel like, this is what I want to look like, this is, is always going to help. One of the talks this weekend at the conference was about exactly this topic, about finding the balance of short-term reinforcers yes. and long-term reinforcers, and that that is the only compassionate way to treat. Absolutely, and it's the only way that succeeds, yeah. Shana. If you think yeah. about yourself, ourselves, in life, yeah. if we only have long-term reinforcers, yeah. we're going to lose our minds. That's right. The short-term ones that we get are like, hey, every afternoon I'm gonna, or evening I'm going to sit down and watch a favorite show yes or whatever it is those are the short-term ones that keep us going and if we only have the short term that's not good and if we only have the long term it's not good exactly anyway um well nick uh, nick kelly here wants to open a can of worms that we'll see if i don't know if you and i'll be in agreement on this one how do you feel about older children watching younger programs we're big believers that we have to treat keep trying to keep our child moving forward as autistics tend to be immature as they grow up. It's kind of interesting. I haven't really thought about this one in that much detail. I think I think I am okay with it. I think it has to do with the amount of it. Like I feel like you know, hey, I'm almost 60 and I'll still go back once in a while and I'll watch like a rom-com that I used to watch when I was 20 or whatever, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. My daughter, who's 21, will still occasionally love watching a cartoon. Mm -hmm. you know? So I think I'm okay with it as long as it doesn't dominate the individual's life and the world mm -hmm. because I, I consider it to be a reinforcer, a reward. And I don't think we define each other's rewards. I don't think yeah. we should. Yeah. Because I feel like everybody has a different thing they want and like. Yeah. And if I start to say this reward is okay and that reward is not okay, I'm taking away the power of the reward. I agree. For me, it, it comes down to a couple of different things. Exposure. That there's a period of time when kids are younger yeah. when they only know what they know. And so if they love Thomas the Tank, and Thomas the Tank is everything for them, I don't believe in taking that away from them, but I do believe in exposing them to other forms of trains. Yes. And showing them other forms of trains and seeing if you can make that broader. And with some kids that works, and with some kids it doesn't. Yes, some, some children it becomes, like Thomas the Tank becomes the obsession. Yep. And that's when I say put it away for a while. Yeah. Because... Anything that becomes an obsession is going to take you away from all the rest of life. Yeah. Because you're so obsessed with that one thing. Yeah. And unless you can, and that's true of honestly anything, you mm -hmm. guys. Like, if if you, you know, if you're obsessed with shopping all the time, if you're yeah. obsessed with watching TV all the time, whatever it is, right, you need to reduce it to a point where the rest of life can happen. Yeah. And, if that, and, and that's the only issue I have with it. But I think that, and, and so, you know, I, I think that a lot of parents, I, I mean, I've heard the tale of the parent who her son was obsessed with Thomas, and so her therapy team said, this Christmas, don't give him any Thomas. 
at all. Mm -hmm. And that the whole Christmas was ruined and, yeah. and that her Christmas was ruined, his Christmas was ruined, he tantrumed and everything. And I believe in a little kinder, gentler that, yeah. you know, I think yeah. you can give yeah. one, yeah. but I understand and, and that we try for exposure to other things. But I think by the time somebody is older, and when you say older, I don't know how old you mean, whether that means 11, 12, or 22. Mm -hmm. But I know lots of adults on the spectrum and not on the spectrum that are adults that are obsessed with something. Yeah. We laugh hysterically about the fact that when my son was little and watching certain things on TV, he wasn't necessarily really into anything, but my husband got really into the Teletubbies <laughs> to the point where there was a day when we were trying to get out the door to go to something and we were like dressed up. He was in a suit and I was in a dress and heels. That never happens. And I was like, babe, we got to go. And the TV was on and it was Teletubbies. And he was like, but it's a new one. And I was like... I need to check oh your temperature. God. It's the Teletubbies, <laughs> and it will replay 22 times. But then I went down the Doodle Bops, uh, you know. Yeah. I, 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 there was a controversy about was Dee Dee Doodle the same as she was in season one? And <laughs> I was writing into chat groups about it. I was like, and I was into it, you all. De the Doodle Bops. It was sure. a Canadian children's show and I was all about oh it. Oh my gosh. You know, and I and I love things from when I was younger and yeah. And if somebody, you know, you watch these things on Facebook and people will put up, you know, do you remember this from the 70s? And we all go, oh, oh yeah, it's it's the, you Absolutely. know, the, you know, that show. And so <laughs> I feel like we all should be allowed, like you said, to like what we like. Definitely. Uh, if somebody likes to watch cartoons, it's all good. And I know I, I people that still watch, like to watch Tom and Jerry. I sometimes still will love to watch The Roadrunner. <laughs> I, I love the Roadrunner, I gotta oh, tell you. That's hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, uh, we're behind here a little bit. Uh, yeah, somebody asked about the Nemechek protocol. Yes, do you want to talk about that? Yeah, I mean, I don't know a lot about the Nemechek protocol. I just know that it is very similar to a lot of other uh, protocols that have to do with dietary change to kind of help clean out your system and restore health and balance to your gut, immune functioning in particular, which, you know, most of our immune system is in the gut, in the GI tract. So uh, I believe the Nemeshek Protocol's idea is to clean out the gut and make sure that you have, to, in order to increase your immune functioning. And of course, the theory is that once you have better immune functioning, it's now going to affect your brain functioning, which absolutely is true. So whether it's this protocol or you just talk to a nutritionist or dietitian who is helping you with dietary change or for your child to help restore gut health, I am a huge, I can't even tell you, sometimes I think maybe bigger supporter of gut health than ABA even. Wow. I, I think gut health controls our lives. Um, in every possible way, uh, whether it is depression, anxiety, or awareness, attention, or, I mean, I, I, everything is, is about the gut. So I really, really do recommend for all of our viewers to really make sure that, um, you know, your children, yourselves, you are doing everything possible to have healthy immune functioning, healthy gut functioning. Uh, amen to that. I, I, you know, the 
there are certain cultures that say happy belly, happy life. A hundred percent. Right? No so, question. Yeah. And that's true for all of us, not just our kids, but of course for our kids. Uh, Kirsten, I'm so thrilled that you're here with us this morning. And she writes in and says, I'm working on this with a school right now that her son likes to take, uh, likes to use his hand drawing as reinforcement. He had one bad day mm. where he lost one of them and he went a little extreme and then that day they said at school no more pictures without giving him an alternative type of uh, random reinforcement they tried to say absolutely no pictures and she says it was a punishment everyone in his circle uh, disagreed with the school but they said that they wanted to do it I've been taking a lot of data this happened a week ago last Friday and she says I've even been recording his behavior for his transitions from home to school to show how much of a change they made has a trickle down to our day-to-day life yeah i mean if that is your thing and somebody takes it away from you then of course you're going to have a hard time going to that place absolutely get call for an iep kristen call for an iep and have a big discussion about this and if you have an expert who can go with you do that because it, it is very important what's going on, and it does trickle into your day-to-day life, and that shouldn't be the case. And realize people mean well. Yes. When they say these things, they mean well, but it doesn't always work out. And you can, I always say, don't allow them to vote you off the team. Yes. And if they made a team decision without you, yeah, time to have that meeting again. Amanda is here. Amanda, you missed it at the top of the show. We were looking for you, and I said she comes a little bit later. (laughs) We're thrilled that you're here with your blue hearts. Uh, She says, I need tips on how to address a BCBA who is overworked. I have the most uh, amazing RBT, but the BCBA isn't giving enough attention to my son's programming. She is assigned goals, but not being specific, so it leaves the RBT to interpret how the goal should be run instead of her modeling during supervision little to no feedback is given even when we are looking at her for direction help bless you amanda i think this is a really common tale so i guess i have a few different thoughts about this Mm -hmm. and i believe me i'm very very compassionate to um, clinicians who are overworked yeah Um, there's no question in my mind but so I, I feel bad for clinicians who really are overworked and exhausted. But I want to say that, you know, I I was a clinician for, I still am a clinician, but I was a full-time clinician for many, 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 many years, right? And I would continuously see patients for, I don't know, two-thirds of my day, for a really long time, and and I loved it. It did not exhaust me. It rejuvenated me. Mm. It wasn't the thing that made me feel overworked. In fact, it, you know, it's so funny, Shannon, because every time I'm, like, you know, we're getting older, and I'm tired, and I don't know, like, if I want to get heavily back into certain things or not, and and then I get involved with a patient, like, or I'll just sit with it. And I don't know how time flies. It's still yeah. the most fun thing in my life is to help families, talk to patients, see kids. When I, I The very few patients that I currently see, <clears throat> I'll go and I'll spend two hours with a child. And I just am, like, fully excited when I leave yeah. because of one single thing they did that we all cheered for, right? So I just don't think that... I think our jobs are very rewarding, 
And I don't know if what's happening here is being overworked or just not knowing how to give detailed feedback. I see a lot of VCBAs who come out of school, and remember, this is a very popular field now, and there's a big shortage of BCBAs. So these are young folks who've received a master's degree and they have very little experience with kids or patients. And they come into this world and maybe some of them have not even been an RBT before or they've not even been a behavior technician. And they come in and they sit and they tell the other people what to do and they don't really know in detail how to deal with the issues that might come up or how to, you know, the detail of it. So it could be just a lack of knowledge, lack of experience. Um, And the worst case scenario is lack of caring. So, I mean, sometimes this is also a very lucrative master's degree. If you there are not that many master's degrees that you can get where you're going to be immediately offered a position which will pay you higher than six figures. So that could also be. What I suggest you do is you talk to your BCBA and just say, I know you must be, you might be tired. And, you know, of course, as parents, Shannon has always said, one of the things Shannon always used to do also when you had clinicians working with your child was be very caring for them, reward them, tell them how much they mean to you, give them gifts, you know, welcome them into your home and all of that should, no matter what you should be doing, because we're all one team and it's lovely to have BCBAs and RBTs who are very happy working with your child. But at the same time, you know, it's not your job to take care of your BCBA. So sit down with the BCBA and say, I feel like my RBTs, the the people on the team need a little bit more guidance. And would you please give that guidance to them in the form of further detail? Um, You know, and see what happens. You'll either have someone who's going to immediately say, absolutely no problem, I can show them the detail, or you're going to have someone who might become a little defensive, and that would be an indication that they don't know how to give the guidance. And so I think that's very important, and you you should definitely, um, you know, confront it and talk to them nicely. And she added that this is a BCBA with 16 years experience, okay. but that the, before this, the entire experience was in assessments only. Okay, there you go. Yeah. Yeah, and that's, that's a big, big difference, right? It's like you need to... Sometimes, like, I will, it's interesting, when I am seeing my uh, very, like, children who need a lot of support and guidance, I'm not necessarily going to look for who was the, you know, BCBA that had the, you know, the most knowledge. I look at my folks who were with me working for over 30 years, whether or not they had a BCBA, I don't care. Right. And it's about their experience with multiple children and having been in the field of actually administering therapy for 30 somewhat years. Yeah. Um, It's it's the wild, wild west out there. And it always, it always was in terms of you know, when my son started to get therapy, I guess there were a couple of BCBAs, but it wasn't a really widely, you know, there weren't BCBAs everywhere. Now you walk and you trip over BCBAs, yeah. even though there's still not there's enough still of them. not enough, right. Right? 
Um, but it wasn't, at that time, you didn't have to have a BCBA on your case yes. when my son started. And, and, and then, you know, we were moving towards insurance and they said, a lot of people said, we're not going to pay for it unless there's a certain level of expertise. It's always with a good idea, That's right? That's so true. Always the good idea. That makes sense. Well, we want, if we're going to pay for it, we want to know that there's a certain level of expertise. But now, in the last couple of years, I see that universities have really been pumping out the BCBAs because the field needs them yeah. so desperately. But a lot of times, the experience working with autism isn't there. They have experience doing something else and working with children children the experience is not there or just the, or really no experience i mean i'm hiring bcbas right now for some of the i'm trying to help set up some clinics in the middle east yes and they're very short on bcbas yeah. so they will hire bcbas literally straight out of school like as soon yeah. as they become a bcba yeah. and i i love these guys but i'm, I, I'm having some of the experienced rbts train them yes yes Yes, yeah. which is the flip of what it should be, but right. this is what I'm hearing a lot of. There are some amazing BCBAs out there. There are some people who are on their way to becoming amazing BCBAs. There are some people who've come into the field and don't have the experience. Right. Um, and, and so it does become incumbent upon us as parents to so kind of take a look at what do I have. Absolutely, and I'll tell you, the education matters. The material they teach you is very good. Um, the experience matters, but the one thing that matters probably the most is the person must be rejuvenated from this work, not exhausted from it. There we go. That is the thing. I mean, you know, Peter, of course, sometimes he and I are working on a case together right now, and I, this is a therapist who, who Shannon knows very well as well. And I'll, the guy, like, the level of excitement we both have <laughs> yes. at clinic is ridiculous. I'm sure you guys ridiculous. light fires together because with your excitement. Because we're both so rejuvenated by this work, you yeah. know? So, yeah, it's yeah. amazing. Uh, okay, we have a lot of discussion coming in. Susie has, says, has said what? <laughs> She's picking herself up off the floor because you said you were almost 60. No way. Um, yes, I know. This is why I always say that there's a painting aging somewhere <laughs> under a bed somewhere instead of because I... Uh, uh, if you, you know, how long have you been married now? Uh, it, I think it's like, it's like 12 years. 12 years. And when, when she got married, the, the picture of her in her wedding photo with her husband, you look like you were 16. You seriously <laughs> did. And there was a picture of you with your mother there. And I thought if we just Photoshopped my picture in there, I could be the grandmother. Your mother would be, you know, like the mother and you'd be the 16 year old. Um, Thank you. And I'm not that much older than you, but she looks this good. I think it's because she stays young, working with young people. Um, so I'm going to go teach a kindergarten class right after this. Um, that's what I'm going to do. Uh, okay. So, but we have a lot of people writing in about weight issues now and about gaining weight after your yeah, child is diagnosed. Yeah. yeah and yeah. we, I mean, we have 12 years worth of videos here that you can watch my weight go whoop, 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 Well, whoop. and me too. I mean, I got to tell you, like each of you, I think it's really, really important to find the diet that works for you and 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 then to like get a coach or a new, or someone who can help you through it and every different things work for different people and the body is really interesting and and so you know please don't get discouraged i see dark angel has written that you know i've i have over 30 pounds since my son got diagnosed last yeah. year which is very common 
um, you know, when, when we have extreme, one of my friends lost a parent and honestly mm. she gained tons of weight after that. Of and course. I think it's just because we're trying to just, it's the reinforcer thing, right? Yeah. You're trying to reinforce yourself because all of a sudden your circumstances have become more aversive. Yeah. Well, and if other reinforcers have gone, you, you go to the things that you know work. Yeah. And um, I, I would lovingly say to all of you, don't beat yourself up. Um, when your willingness is there, you'll find the thing that is Absolutely. that is right to do and that it is possible to lose that weight. I, you know, I want to lovingly say to all of us, myself included, that this last time I let it get way out of control before I let it stop because I, that's just where I was at. Um, and I'm on my way back down now, but it's, it's not easy. And, you no, have, and the not. older you get, the harder it is. But it is possible, and it feels so much better. Oh, my gosh. feels so much better. We, we uh, inherited a dog during COVID because my dear friend Joanne Laura passed away. And she has a dog that when I got the dog, the dog was so overweight that it could barely walk. It's lost weight. Yes. But, you know, I, when we were, we would start, and we'd have to, we have to carry the dog up the stairs at night because it can't go up the stairs itself. Um, and we were wheezing at the top of the stairs carrying yeah. this thing. And now I can pick up this guy. Now he's lost weight. I've lost weight too. And we, we jog up the stairs and it's like, what happened? I know. We're not carrying two extra bowling balls with I us. I know. It's amazing. It's, it's so much easier. It is. And I saw Parker's comments about, yes. you know, health and, and those issues. And Parker, let me tell you, I lost weight over the last year because my back was hurting so much. And I tried so many different things, and I thought, you know what, let me just lose some pounds and see if it helps. And it was yeah. a tremendous difference for me in regards to my back pain. So there's always, when there's a health issue, and I know, Shannon, yeah. you had kind of a health prompt, too. Oh, when yeah. you have that, it, you take control of it. Don't feel like someone's forcing you. It's your life. And you can take control of it. And I also see that Parker said that it's Mexican food that you really like to have. But, you know, they've made all kinds of things now that you can have that, like, they have even tortilla chips oh my gosh. That, that are grain-free, that are protein. Yes. So, you know, there, there are accommodations that you can make. You, you know, I, I see that you have a texture that you like, but it becomes, it comes down to... You know, what are you willing to be flexible on? Not Absolutely. give up, but what are you willing to be flexible on? If the, if the texture was slightly different, but you would feel better, and that you, and not just physically, because you will feel better physically, but you'll also, when you take control of something, right. you feel better mentally and emotionally, and your Absolutely. self-esteem goes up through the roof. And also, Parker, what is it that is, what is the food um, doing for you in terms of immediate feelings, and is there something else that we can that you can do that will replace that feeling that eating the food gives you? Because I think that's with food, it's really all about how we feel when we eat. Yeah, and that's an important thing. I do want to just before because I know we're out of time, we but are. I do want to say uh, the Good Father. Yes. Yeah, please get in touch with me if you're going to be here in January. I will do my very best to see your child.
Okay. And congratulations to Amanda that she is now officially a TACA mentor and that she can help people work on gut health. Congratulations, Amanda. I know that was something. You will be an amazing mentor. Exactly. So that's available to you guys. All right, you guys, we are back tomorrow with Let's Talk All the Things with Rachel Bird. And, And then we're here on Thursday with Let's Talk Movies. Oh, there's things I'm going to go off on. Uh, if, you've, uh, if you've watched that blonde thing, I'm going to go off on that. That horrible piece of pop And um, And then I really want to talk about, oh if you aren't watching Welcome to Wrexham or The Empress, tune in. Um, that and much, much more with Moira. We're also going to go over the, the Taka conference that some of you just went to. And then Stories from Spectrum on Friday, and then we'll be back here uh, again next week. But that's tomorrow. We're here live. So don't miss that. Until then, get, and thank you so thank much. Thank you. This was it was lovely. a pleasure. And thank all of you for being here. Uh, we'll, we'll see you tomorrow. Until then, give your uh, kiddos a hug for me and one for you as well. Bye-bye for now. Our family has grown. Welcome to the world, Hannah baby. Introducing a new collection, Hannah Soft, made with Tencel. It's so breathable, with stretchy comfort for all of baby's first moments. And it's cool and gentle on their skin all year round. Entrusted Hannah quality for your most precious gift. Hannah Soft, made to last. Shop now at hannahanderson.com.